Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie. Michael and Jeannie share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. They offer tools and support five days a week. They will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love. In Aramaic, Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. And now your co-host, the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness within you and the truth that is rooted within me. Hi and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host, along with Dr. Tim Hayes, and we welcome you to the show. Today is Tuesday, October the 13th, 2015, and our call-in number is 646-200-4169. Press 1, and that puts you in queue to talk to us, and we would love to hear your comments and your questions, because then that makes this your show. Welcome, Michael. Your heart, and we are armed for everybody that chooses to join us. Engaging in this awesome pursuit of understanding and applying first century Aramaic forgiveness. It is quite a journey to engage in, and we're just delighted to be sharing it with you. Across an interesting quote recently from. And he's telling me we've got a problem here. Okay, do I sound like I'm in a barrel still? Cool. So I had come across just a a day or two ago a quote from a paleontologist. And as we were, I was talking with Julie about it, actually, and she talked about uh, how amazing it is to be involved in a community that's really about doing their work and just how powerful that is and how sweet it is. And it, it just turned uh, the conversation with the uh, our two support team members that are here right now painting buildings. Actually, we'll, we'll see if we can get a full set of pictures before we leave, but uh, the buildings are just looking awesome with these bright colors on them, and it's, it's looking pretty cool. But uh, when I talked to Julie, I had sent her a copy of this quote from this paleontologist, Teilhard de Chardin, and this goes back into the 50s, and he says, there is almost a sensual longing for communion with others who have a large vision. The immense fulfillment of friendship between those engaged in furthering the evolution of consciousness has a quality impossible to describe. And uh, as I was talking to Stuart this morning, who's 
kind of the lead painter, and then Scott, who's just right there, just bringing it all together. Separately, individually, the conversations went in the exact same direction of just how amazing it is to begin comprehension of being able to really, truly do your work and what the process looks like. And so when you engage in that, the, the, the whole process of questioning that the mind does begins to shift and change. And, you know, we had a conversation with, uh, with someone last week about the, the loss of a loved one. And Deschardins, and this goes back to the 50s, this paleontologist. Interestingly, he was also a Catholic priest, but primarily a paleontologist. And he says this, and it, it describes why there's a shift that the ordinary mind cannot comprehend or understand. He says, in the final analysis, the questions of why bad things happen to good people transmutes itself into some very different questions. No longer asking why something happened, but asking how will we respond and what we intend to do now that it happened. And And there comes a place where we live from such a different place than the mind we were trained into, that it's virtually incomprehensible. And as we do that, we find ourselves, rather than living out of an identity based in our power person dynamics, an identity based in different hostilities and fears where we have as I talked about yesterday, these day mares, just like nightmares only during the day where we've got somebody else to blame and it's all their fault and that's why we're feeling this way and, and the whole lie that the mind tells us, we begin to collapse that. The result is incomprehensible because you live from such a different place that the non-being mind just can't, can't grasp, can't make sense of. So one more Um, quote that I'll read from Teilhard. Again, this goes back to the 50s. But he says, Someday after mastering the winds, the waves, the tides, and gravity, we shall harness the energies of love. And then for a second time in the history of the world, man will have discovered fire. And the non-being mind, the self that thinks it's a body, the self living in hostility and fear at every turn, at every event, or at occasional events. You know, oftentimes just mild irritations. I love what the Course in Miracles says about mild irritation. The mildest irritation covers the most intense rage. And as you begin to delve into and remove those energies, you come to that incomprehensible place where the questions of the world, the process of the world, makes no more sense. You live in it, you experience it, but it's like, you know, you can hear Yeshua 2,000 years ago saying, well, I'm in this world. It's like, I know the game you're playing, folks, but I'm not of it. It does not source anything for me. It harkens back to a quote that I love from Einstein. You know, here's this genius scientist, the, the, you know, the preeminent scientific mind of all times. And here's what Einstein said about all of the scientific knowledge 
at that time. And he, if you look up his quote, he uses the word reality in the same context that we use the word actuality. So reality is the output of the mind in this work. Actuality is what's actually happening in the world. So what Einstein says is that when compared to actuality, all of our science is primitive and childlike. Now, you talk to the average science who, scientist who spent their whole lives in the laboratory and measuring things and building, you know, all that stuff. And he says, what? You're telling me I've wasted my life? Yeah, that's what we're telling you. Well, but I did great things. Yeah, but if you didn't do great things in the context of the actual energy system of life, of what consequence is it? As, as Einstein said, it's primitive and childlike. So when we hit the pinnacle of the non-being mind's expression and so-called mastery, we've really just scratched the surface of what this energetic system called whatever you choose to call it is about. And when we strive to do those achievements the world says are important. And, and I know that I'll oftentimes come across people who will say, uh, there's one gentleman I'm thinking of in particular who invested a great deal of his life in a particular pursuit and became very good at it, honored very highly for what he did. And, and as he's doing this work, one day he says, but, but Michael, if I go to that place, it's like everything I've done with my life has been a waste. It's like, well, actually it's not been a waste, but it's pretty meaningless in the context of what's actually going on in the universe that we can experience if we go outside of the pictures painted behind our eyeballs. Yeah, it's pretty meaningless. It's all pretty meaningless. You know, what's the game really about? Well, uh, let's let's look at an easy clue that you can start to follow down. Hold a newborn child. Tap into the essence of that newborn. And know that that's how you're designed to live. And I don't care what you achieve. I don't care if you've got $100 billion in the bank and you've got the latest Ferrari and the latest Mercedes and the latest Rolls and the jets and the, the, the houses on five continents, the mansions on five continents. I don't care if you've got all of that. It sucks. It's nothing compared to one step into experiencing the actuality that lies beyond the realities we've been brainwashed to, to believe. Living as the active presence of love is the first step into that world. And yet, our world teaches us, well, you've got to have enough rage and you know, you've got to have enough weapons and you've got to be able to protect yourself and defend yourself and fight them off and step over them and step on them if you have to in order to get your money. <laughs> It's like, well, I guess that's one way to do it. But all of that will get you nowhere in the actuality. In the real world, in the actual world as created, 
When you live as the active presence of love, you begin to engage truly in what human life is about. When you look at the person that you sleep across from and the picture painted on the inside of your eyeballs is out of some hostility or fear and you stop and you take a breath and you forgive it and you embrace in love, then you're stepping into human life. When that person rips you off for all that they could possibly rip you off for, doesn't mean you can't hold them accountable, but when you can experience that from a space where you're connected to love instead of the insanity of the generations, then you've begun to live a human life. And there's nothing that compares with that. When you can look at that child that is disobeying every command that you give them, violating every goal you have for them, and you embrace them in a heart space made of love and you're responsible for your own fear and anger and rage and you enter into forgiveness and you remove those things and you reach out to touch that child that has just violated every goal and principle you hold and you touch them with your heart, you're living a human life incomprehensible from the non-human realm. So we're here to make the incomprehensible comprehensible and to actually be able to do it. So that's what this work is about. The key tool, if you're new to the, uh, to the show in particular, is the tool of first century Aramaic forgiveness. Forgiveness not having anything to do with, I let you off the hook for what's happening inside of me, but forgiveness being the tool with which I go inside myself and I remove my hostility and or fear. I truly am responsible for the output of my own mind And if I find myself still able to produce realities of hostility or fear, then realizing I have another layer of work to do, another level of work to do to clean up my carbon-based memory system, the thing that they call my body, remove the generational patterns and live in the truth of who we are. If you haven't engaged in that forgiveness process yet, then we've got a treat for you because you can go to our website, whyagain.org. And if you scroll down a little bit, you'll see a bullseye in the middle of the page, and you click that bullseye, and it'll open a whole series of links. And there it is. It lays bare the whole forgiveness process. Start off with the first link, go to the second, go to the third, and just start working through it. On the third link, you'll see MP3s of at least 16 different radio shows where we've walked somebody through the whole forgiveness process. Apply the tools. Watch it change. Start to apply the tools and have questions? That's what we're here for five days a week. And so Jeannie's here to support you with it. Dr. Tim is here. I'm here. Michelle is here, usually. Rex is here. Tony's here. All kinds of folks that have been doing their work and reaching into the experience of true human life. And so Jeannie, is Dr. Tim with us today? He is, and he's on. Well, let's say hello to the young man and see what's on his mind today. How are you, Tim? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? I'm rocking. We're just rolling along here. I just walked back up the hill where um, Scott is painting the red trim on the heart center, bright, bright red, on a gray, what is now a gray building. And uh, Scott was just doing some of the deep, bright blue trim 
on Harmony. We've, we've painted all the buildings. We have Scott and, uh, and uh, Stuart have painted all the buildings, uh, uh, just a really light gray. So all the buildings are the same color. And then we're doing these bright trim colors. And so I just was down there and it's like, it's like there's a whole new energy coming out of it. And Scott and uh, Stuart are really working consciously of, holding the space you know they scott where uh, stuart was saying last night you know we started out they did the building piece at first and their focus was really achieving that peaceful space so they could move to the next building which is the heart center and move into their heart centers doing that one and carrying the heart center energy and then that producing harmony moved to harmony next so it's just rocking along here quite Wonderful. exciting well it i've is. enjoyed the enjoyed the pictures I've seen on Facebook it's it's great to see that place that has such good memories for me looking fresh and bright and new revitalized and uh, my thought for today had to do with a series of sessions yesterday and the theme running through them was how how untrained we are to understand that we're all the same. How much our conditioning is about differences and boundaries and labels and colors and ethnicities and religion that are used as devices to separate us so, you know, the end result is then we feel isolated and alone, and then we have all kinds of problems that are created from that fundamental misperception. And, uh, and the theme for the sessions yesterday was people coming into new levels of awareness as they did their work, that every goal they have for somebody else and every negative emotion that another person throws at them is something they have actually felt themselves and so you know tuning into that similarity or actual you know identical process that we all go through has provided a space of opening and compassion for people and that was the theme yesterday and I know you've got a a key piece you headed to later worksheets, the most recent one has it, where, you know, you ask, I ask in every worksheet, how have I violated the very goal that I'm setting for this other person and that I think I'm upset because they're not fulfilling the goal? And when I do that, I key into, oh, my gosh, I can't keep myself from doing the very thing that I believe I'm upset with this person. And so it opens that, that space for compassion. And so that's my thought for today. It might be a thought that I just have all by myself and nobody else ever gets to hear, but that's my thought for the day. Are you still there? Michael must have been muted. Cool, I am. I had had my mute button pushed. (laughs) So, but I was agreeing with you on on the state of of bringing in compassion. You know, the the Christian or what's 
called a Christian religion has at least supposedly its focus on love. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of it's more about judgment, but uh, about love. And then we have the Buddhist tradition that's all about bringing in compassion. And, and that's, of course, specifically why that particular step was put in the worksheet was to bring in that other human attribute of compassion. And, you know, it, it's uh, as you speak about that, you know, the, the world is so, as you say, focused on differences. And yet the truth is, the real truth in that world of actuality is that there's only one of us. I love how Einstein says it. If you think you're separate or separated from the rest of humanity, you're living in an optical delusion. And most people live their whole lives in those optical delusions and never wake up from them. And one of my early mentors used to say that 700 million million people live and die every century and never even know that they've lived. And what we're here to is to, uh, to support people really truly having a human life and having it in such huge abundance that it just overflows and creates the kind of generosity that heals everything. So I'm with you on the compassion. Yeah, and I, I just, uh, it came to me uh, a couple of decades ago and I this often the only difference of any significance at all height weight gender age geographic location the only difference between me and any other person on the planet or who's ever lived of any significance is the degree to which we understand that we're all the same And it's, and it's also that, that that opposite thought is one of the strongholds of the ego. Well, I'm the only one who could possibly understand this suffering because I've suffered so much more than everybody else. <laughs> and my suffering is so unique. And as you say, it's, it's, it's everybody's doing the same stuff, <laughs> same thing. But, but that uh, mental construct of uh, mind's different. Nobody would ever understand it and... It's, you know, I'm just, I, I'm just going to have to live in it forever. It's like, yeah, it's understandable. It's, it works by principles. And when we engage in the principles of healing, then those things just simply, simply, simply go away. Disappear. Done. Finished. Over with. Well, any other thoughts before we check on the phone lines? I'm complete. Let's see what everybody else wants to say. Okay, sir. We appreciate you. Blessings. And Jeannie, anybody with a hand up in the phone queue or anybody in the uh, chat room with a question or thought for us? Nobody has their hand up. And actually, Erica was with us earlier, but she had to go. Um, There was a question that came up in the chat room yesterday, and you and I talked about it last night and said that we would bring it up and talk about it today. And this person... um, had gone through some challenges and everything and uh, actually ended up getting what they wanted but then decided that they were going to leave. And so the conversation was, you know, well, you know, you need to, to look at that and, you know, not just do what you feel. And she said, well, that, you know, she felt like if she didn't do what her body was telling her to, that she was, you know, um, 
ignoring a part as if ignoring your intuition or whatever and that she was betraying it and I said well you know the body is your carbon-based memory and that's where your all your feelings are stored and you know in our conversation in the chat room she said you know that her mom's issue was always leaving and I said so see how it's not worked in your life or in your mom's life or whatever. So you had said that we would talk about not doing what you feel like doing. I was saying maybe we could mute. Uh, there's a, it sounds like there's a road noise back there for someone. If we can mute that other phone. Okay. But yeah, it's that's done. A, uh, a good, a good question. And that is that, um, you know, when you ask somebody, why did you do that? Most people's response will be, well, I felt like it. And one of the things that I counsel people to do is never, ever, ever, ever do what you feel like doing it, doing just because you feel like it. Because what will end up happening, you know, it's been pretty well established in psychological circles that, uh, you know, at least 95% of our mental processes are unconscious. And feelings are nothing but reflections of thought. You can't have a feeling without a thought. And so if I don't know the motivation behind or the thought behind this feeling, then I'm being run by unconscious dynamics if I just do what I'm feeling like doing. What I suggest people do is they select a set of principles by which they will live. For instance, in the Healing Through Relationships workshop, we offer the commitment. I suggest that people take that on as a blueprint for how they choose to live and then choose to engage in each of the steps of the commitment. And, you know, basically just a, a sketch of it, I promise to trust you enough to tell you the truth, to be true to you, to treat you lovingly, gently, and with respect to my thoughts, my words, my actions, whether I'm in your presence or not. So just taking that part of the commitment, and that's a small part of it, and saying to yourself, okay, I'm going to consciously, purposely, out of high levels of awareness, choose to live a certain way. If that's it, then that would be it, or whatever it is. Then, whatever you feel like doing, you follow your commitment. You know, the, the last paragraph of the commitment when stuff starts to come up for people. If anything less than love comes up, I'll hold this in my heart and listen as we each learn to speak, experience, and be responsible for our own realities. If I can't do that, what would be the reason I can't do that? Because I have insanity in my mind, and I feel like doing something else. Stop doing what you feel like doing. Select a set of principles by which you will live, and then live up to those principles. Do your work around that, and then you'll get to the point where your feelings will be based in thoughts, based in principles. Then your feelings will become an accurate guide to keep you on track. They won't simply be unconscious dynamics, but they'll be reflections of conscious thoughts, conscious principles, conscious ways you've chosen to live. And if you feel like doing something other than your conscious principles tell you to do, then you delve in and you do the forgiveness work in order to remove that. Because in each of those cases, there's usually a generational 
thought that is too painful to be embraced and just shows up as a tip of the iceberg feeling that has you wanting to, you know, like in this case, you know, the principle behind what you just shared is we've got somebody who was triggered by behaviors done by others. And then when those behaviors based in fear and probably hostility start to move, then the mind counsels, get out of here. I'm out of here. And then when the issue is resolved, that doesn't resolve what's going on in, from the unconscious level. It takes doing one's work to resolve what's going on in the unconscious level. So, so that stuff is coming from the unconscious is anything but intuition, but it will pretend to be intuition. I know we'll, we'll see people here oftentimes that come to Heartland and they touch into the work that maybe came to a workshop or two or five that we were doing on the road. And they go, oh, man, I want to go to Heartland. I want to do my work, man. You know, I, was, I had a dream last night. I was so guided to be there and do this. Man, I'm on it. I'm going for it. It's like, great. Okay. Come on. Join the support team. You don't even need to bring any money with you. You know, bring your toothpaste or, you know, enough to cover those sorts of things. But come on. And then they'll be here a week, two weeks, three weeks, a month, whatever. And all of a sudden, those old unconscious dynamics start to move. And they show up in this holy, holy place. Oh, my guidance is that I need to leave. Oh, excuse me. Three weeks ago, your guidance was you had to be here to do your work. Now you've started to do your work. Your work is opening up, and now you're going to run? Excuse me? Your mind's a liar. That's not guidance that you need to leave. Do you, do you think that high piece of guidance that you got a month ago to come and do your work didn't know what was going to start to move? You think it's re-advising you three weeks later to do something different? Get off the pot. <laughs> but that's what happens. We see it happen all the time. Oh, my guidance was... Well, yeah, that was different guidance three weeks ago. <laughs> it's like, no, your guidance was to come and do your work, be here, do what it takes. And, you know, one of the things about doing that, and I say this from almost 50 years of developing and doing this work, is if every time a block came up that brought up, I want to leave, I want to quit, I don't want to do this, it would be easier, I'd rather have fun, I'd rather go out and get drunk than feel this. If every time something like that happened... I chose not to keep my commitment. We wouldn't be having this conversation right now. This radio show wouldn't exist. Heartland wouldn't exist. This work wouldn't exist. What it takes is when you make a commitment and, and to actually be true to your word. Now, the mind can always, you know, it's interesting. We think we recall something, but actually what science is showing is that when we have a recollection, we actually have to use totally new to build that new memory and I say new memory we think we're remembering something that happened a month ago but the truth is a whole new set of proteins are building and and this is where that thought from the Course in Miracles comes in and says be aware of the distorting power of the way you want it to be because when you make a commitment and then your mind comes up with well I want to escape this I don't want to feel this I don't want to deal with this then my new intuition is, well, I don't, I'm not going to do this or I'm going to change my mind or I never made that commitment in the first place. That's a real common one. No, 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 I never said that. It's like, well, okay. Follow through, put one foot in front of the other and be your word. It's one of the ways of being human is actually be your word, keep your word, follow through with your word. And other things are going to move. And I'll say from 50 years of putting one foot in front of the other, 
I could tell you a million stories about a million excuses I could have made for, oh, well, time for me to go, time for me to quit. Oh, I'll just continue this some other way or somewhere else. Okay. So what I input is, is what you're about to do in harmony with what you committed to do. If it's not, be your word. That will carry you great distances toward functioning as a true, actual human being. So does that uh, fit with uh, with what your question was, Jeannie, what that conversation was about? I wasn't privy to the whole conversation since it was in the chat room. but Right. Yeah, I think that pretty much sums it up and covers it. And it's just, you know, to stick with, you know, she's – on purpose, and she has the opportunity to take this work even into her business. And because some things kind of happened, then she wants to leave. She really wanted things to stay, but then once they stayed, she wanted them to leave. kind of reminds me of the codependence worksheet when we do it. I often point out to people, you know, you list uh, people who have offended you and the nature of their offense and your punishment thought. And nine times out of ten, the punishment thought is actually what you would what you would do to them, for instance, leave, is what then you turn around and say, well, they left me. And so yeah. it's like the same thing. And so in, in well, her Well, you know, case, you go back. Go I, I was just going to say, you know, she was going to lose her job, and she got to keep her job, so now she wants to leave her job. So it's like yeah. the same thing. Well, go back into, uh, I think it's in Corinthians, beware you who judge another, for that in which you judge another, you've been guilty of practicing. And so when we put that on somebody else, it takes great uh, restraint to become aware of, oop, what I put on somebody else is what I'm doing, what I'm about. And that always gives me my next opportunity to learn forgiveness, my next layer of work. So it's pretty awesome. Pretty exciting. So our call-in number is 646-200-4169. If you uh, have a question for us or a thought, push 1 if you're in the phone queue. If you're on one of those stations where we can't hear you, just call the radio show, 646-200-4169. Push 1, and you'll be talking to us. We do have... By the way, coming up, we just a few days ago confirmed that we'll be doing, we're, we're actually referring it to as the Lap of Luxury Intensives. And uh, if you look on the website, there's a flyer there, and you can see this awesome big pillared house with the swimming pool and all of that in uh, Kissimmee, Florida. If you're up there in winter and you want to get away, we've got exactly 12 spaces in two different intensives. And they'll start uh, February 1st. We're going to do a nine-day codependence to interdependence communication practicum. That'll start on the 1st of February and go through the 9th. That workshop will also stretch out to a 16-day. So those who come and do the nine-day, let's say some people, you know, the workshop starts on Friday, so you get to do Friday. You can take one day off work, and then the next week, and then Saturday, it's over, so you can head back to work, travel Saturday or Sunday, be back to work on Monday. But for people who want to go beyond that, there's going to be a 16-day 
codependence uh, to interdependence communication practicum. So that'll be 16 days. And those who come to the nine day, if if somebody can stay an extra day, they can do 10 or 11 or 12 or 13 or 14 or 15. Actually, or sweetie, the whole 16 ish. Yes. We usually start on Friday, but because we had to rent this facility for uh, the full, you know, oh, week to week or whatever. Right. Then the first of February is actually a Monday. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. I was thinking it was a Friday. Okay, that's right. We, we looked at the calendar, and they were it wasn't available till the first of February. So actually, yeah, it'll be a Monday. So then people can travel on Monday, and uh, we'll finish then. Let's see. The ninth will be the next Tuesday. Tuesday. So we'll be doing that one from. Uh, February 1st to 9th or February 1st to 16th, if you want to do the whole 16-day. And then we'll take one day off, and then we'll be doing a 16-day Laws of Living, February the 18th to March the 4th. We're going to be in this absolutely beautiful facility in Kissimmee, Florida. So if you're up there in that cold northern climb, February 1st through March the 4th would be a perfect time to take off. And there is a $400 discount for anybody who chooses to do both intensives, so you could Come be with us from February 1st to March the 4th and do a level of work that um, you know, is the kind of thing that few people are ever going to be able to do just standing on their own. Just not uh, not what happens. So it's a process, and we would love to have you be part of the process. So if you want to participate in that. Oh, great. Let's say hello to our caller. I think it's this Rex, 517, you're on the air. It sure is. Hi, everybody. Hey, young man. Good to hear your voice. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. And it sounds like everyone yeah, else is exciting. doing well, and that's great. Um, I uh, had a client this morning that I, I wanted to cu- touch on a couple things, uh, and then I also have a question and a request. I'll start with a request first. Mitzi has uh, come home and took a, about four hours and slept where she was at a birth all night last night with a lady who has been diligent and wants to, she's intent on having a natural childbirth and working really hard. And so Mitzi asked that I ask the group, all of you included, to hold the space for a um, Mrs. Vashti. Oh, this is her first name. What's her last name? Okay, that's enough. Um, Vashti is her first name, and then the universe knows who that is. (laughs) And so just well, all the yes, and so Miss asking that she's on the on the way out right now. That's why she couldn't raise her hand. Asked if I would do it, and uh, and then hold the space for her and and uh, patience and you know a smooth delivery and a birth that actually happened, <laughs> and lots of energy for mom and and Mitch as well, and lots of patience. And she's saying thank you as she's walking out the door right now, going back. So that was one thing. It's it's Vashti for anyone who would like to put energy out there and to support that happening. A, a woman who is uh, giving birth at this time and is in labor and has been for well over 24 hours already. She's going on. Well, we hold the space for her and for uh, for mom to uh, to do awesomely well in her process of uh, supporting her in that birth. Cool. Awesome. Fantastic. And then uh, working with. A session earlier today, and I've been working with a client who has been just really has had. Uh, it was one of those occasions of severe abuse. Um, a mother who actually would just beat him regularly, 
and just violent abuse. And we've done a fair amount of work today or together. And today, what he would actually have happen in his sessions is he would actually just we'd be talking and and doing some work, and then he would just fall asleep right in the conversation and literally go unconscious and just go asleep. And we've been working with that. Well, today we were specifically addressing a number of issues that he was more ready to address. And he finished and he just wasn't sleepy anymore. <laughs> and he just didn't, he wasn't inclined to want to go to sleep or fall asleep. So, excuse me just a moment. Yeah, I'm not sure what you're doing. It's fine, sweetie. I want to say that one. Okay, thanks. Um, I apologize, excuse me. At any rate, after he finished, he had moved through so much and he was so excited. He was just lit up and, and left. And this has been ongoing. We've been working with him for quite a while. So it's it's leading into my next client that I shared just after that session. I was working with a client on the phone. And the question came out, and I want to read it specifically because it's just so poignant to what we're talking about and how pertinent it is for all of us to have a review on this, and that is, why don't I, why can't I just have an experience of being happy and joyous naturally all the time? Why do I have to do all this work? And and I, I shared with her, it was just in our half-hour consultation, but I shared with her, you know, a, a story about Job and also talked about storming the gates, but because you're already talking about this in, in the conversation, I thought it would be really wonderful for you to uh, address that and Tim and, and uh, uh, Jeannie as well or anyone else for that matter. And I, because I have 15 more minutes before my next client, I'm going to finish eating my lunch and just listen on mute if that's okay. Great. Okay, Rex, thank you. Good question. Good question. You bet. Thank you. Of course, yeah, of course, if anybody wants to produce any result in their lives or in their world, then they're going to have to look at the cause of that result. And they're going to have to engage in that cause. You know, like right now, we want our buildings painted. So I could sit back here and say, well, you know, why aren't my buildings being painted? Why, 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 why? You know, here I am, I'm sitting at home, and I just really want these wonderful colors. Like, I want it. You know, come on, like, why isn't it happening? Well, actually, what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to get some color charts, decide what colors I'm going to use, and then I'm going to have to take some Federal Reserve notes or whatever form of payment I'm going to use, gold or silver, if I'm going to do actual pay for it rather than just discharge a debt. And I'm going to have to go to the paint store. I'm going to have to look at the different kinds of paint available. I'm going to have to select the paint, and then I'm going to have to buy it. Now, Having done that, I could say, well, you know, why aren't my buildings painted? <sighs> oh, well, actually, I'm going to have to get some brushes. I'm going to have to put the paint and the brushes in the car. I'm going to have to engage in cause. I'm going to have to drive home. I'm going to have to open the paint. I'm going to have to mix it. And I'm going to have to put it on the building. Then my buildings will be painted. I've got to engage in cause in order to produce an effect. Do I want to feel happy all the time? Well, of course, you know, most everybody wants to feel happy all the time. All right, so what's the cause of happiness? My offering would be that the cause of happiness is thoughts based in being. Thoughts based in love. Remember I said earlier, hold a newborn child. 
And so when I hold a newborn, I get to experience this awesome active presence of love, and it fills my heart so sweetly. It's just amazing. I can remember the day that my daughter's head delivered into my hands. She opened her eyes. I'm actually getting to go up and play with her tomorrow in St. Louis and, and our granddaughter, Addie. She opened her eyes, crystal, crystal clear, laser look in my face, and grinned at me. That sent me into such a state of bliss and no mind that it was just amazing. If I want to live in that state, I'm going to have to engage in cause. So, if I recognize that I come from a culture based in rage, you don't need to know much else than to know that in the last 75 years we've killed in excess of 175 million people on this planet. You know, according to Physicians for Social Responsibility, their research in the Middle East that the American-led war has killed as many as perhaps 8 million people. If you come from a rage-based world, there's probably not going to be much happiness in your life. If you come from a fear or a rage-based family, you know, if you're in a good, solid, fear-based, good old-time religion, you don't have much happiness in your world. I already know that. I don't have to know anything else. Because you were trained with all kinds of causes for fear and terror and pain and suffering. So you've engaged in a cause. You know, it's like you went to the store, you got the, the, the products, and you're now applying them to your life. If you realize that that's the culture, the, the larger culture that you come from, and you do, now, if you happen to be one of those lucky people who was pretty much insulated and isolated from it, in this you know, particular experience when you were born into the world and your parents, you know, maybe they had money and they, had, they were doing pretty well and they really cared for each other. And so you had a pretty sweet and a pretty happy space. But let's go back and look at what your grandparents and their parents and their parents and their parents were doing. What country were they in? How many? I know I was in Greece back, oh, 15 or so years ago. I took a tour, a group of people to Greece. And one of the things I noticed in Greece is you couldn't find a place without cigarette smoke. And then I saw the statistics, and they're about 25%, at least this is back 15, 20 years ago when I made this, this journey, 15, approximately 25% more cigarette smokers than anywhere else in Europe. And I say, why is that? Well, take a look at the history of Greece invasion slaughter invasion slaughter invasion slaughter slaughter invasion invasion slaughter why are there so many smokers in greece i think the unresolved pain the unconscious pain is so huge to do without drugs so if someone comes from that kind of history then how do you get to happiness well, you have a carbon-based memory system with at least four generations of thoughts in it. 
So if you think about four generations of thoughts, remember we, we've defined the word sin from the Aramaic, which is an archery term, means off the mark. Put an energy in that's off the mark, you create something other than happiness in your structure. When they said the sins of the father will be passed three and four generations, that wasn't a theological threat. God's going to get you for your sins. They were just saying, here's cause. Engage in a world of hostility and fear, and you get to feel in your physiology hostility or fear. And ultimately, it kills you. So you've engaged in a cause. If your bloodline and your culture has engaged in that cause, you look to the Aramaic the second beatitude that classically is translated as, blessed are they mourning their wrongs, for they will be comforted. Now, you read the Greek translation of that, and you might as well be eating dog food. Because it's silly. It's silliness. If you go to the Aramaic, the actual original words of that passage, and it much more closely translates to this neural structure implanted in you by the creator to guide you to happiness and well-being will become your conscious possession. You who love truth, who look into your errors in thought and the errors of your society. You want happiness? There it is. You've got the full instruction set right there. There's a neural structure in you to guide you to happiness. It came with you at birth, and the world came in and puked on it. If you live in the standard mindset of the culture. People who live in that world of being puked on all their lives, genetically and otherwise, tend to think of, oh, why bother? What, you know, what's the purpose of life? Who needs it? It's like it's so traumatic. You have to struggle so hard. It's so difficult. God, where's the happiness? Well, I know where it is. It's all covered up by that hostility and fear-based mind. So what does Yeshua say? He says, you must forgive from your heart the wrongs of your brother. Every thought you use to build a picture of somebody else is the problem in your life, you're going to have to clean it up. And when you clean it up, what will happen is you will activate or uncover once again the neural structure that was designed to guide you to happiness and well-being, and it will become your birthright. Because by cleaning up your thought structure, engaging in cause, what that beatitude says is you will be cured of mental stress. If you come from a thousand generations of haters, criticizers, abusers, killers, terrorizers. Jeannie and I were in a grocery store. I refer to this one often because it's so powerful. Back a couple years ago, she was in line. There was a little, about a three-year-old, two-and-a-half, three-year-old boy in a grocery cart wanting some grapes out of the groceries and big scene with mom. No, you can't have grapes and big screaming scene. Jeannie ended up, you know, they checked out and they were packing their things up and Jeannie checked out with a couple of things, went out the door and was standing waiting for me to pull up with the van and heard this woman with her son in her arm, two and a half, three-year-old boy says to mom, mom, don't beat me. I love you. Why does a two-and-a-half or a three-year-old even have the brain cells for that concept? Susan Tucker, Suzanne Tucker, she was on the show back last year. We did some shows with the parent-teacher shows. By the way, while I think of Susan, 
her daughter, who's 12, broke her arm and we did a surgery yesterday to have a pin in it. She's a gymnast. And so let's just take a minute and focus some energy in Susan and Morgan's direction, that she has peace and rest with this arm and that it heals strongly so that she can get back on the bar. She wants to be an Olympic gymnast. And apparently they, they put her on some kind of men's rings or something. I don't know much about gymnasts' uh, play, but uh, they put her on the wrong kind of rings and it twisted her arm in a way when she was doing a maneuver and broke her arm. So, so let's just hold the space for, for Morgan and Suzanne and Sean and their whole family. But Suzanne shared with us on the show last year about how you know, she does conscious parenting classes. She does this work with people, been doing it for the last couple of decades in St. Louis. And she shared that uh, she had a mother in one of her workshops who gave up beating on her child, hitting her child. She came from a family tradition where when the child was about to be beaten, of course, they had nicer words for it. They had to go out and and cut their own switch. So this five or six-year-old boy is sent out to cut a switch, and he comes back in and tears and says, Mom, I I couldn't find, I couldn't reach one. And he opens his little hand and says, but here I brought some rocks you can throw at me. I tell that story, I want to cry. (laughs) It's like, what? 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 Gee, here this parent thought they were teaching by hitting their child, they thought they were teaching the child something other than this person who's supposed to cherish me wants to hit me, wants to hurt me. So the child brings a handful of rocks into mother to say, here, get even with me, beat me, hurt me. Why don't we have happiness? If that's in our genes, if that's in our family system, if that's our environmental experience, then those things create feelings. That's why I suggest never follow your feelings. Live by principles. Do your work. Forgive. 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 Remember, forgiveness means remove. It doesn't mean let somebody else off the hook. It means you've got to go inside of you and remove what never belonged. And as you remove what never belonged, then something different comes to fill its space. And what comes to fill its space is the truth of who you are, a human being. Chidi and I oftentimes in the evenings will, when we're home, we'll watch a, an episode or two of a DVD of different programs. And last night we were watching the X-Files, you know, old, old X-Files. Kind of some interesting stuff, but the, the episode that we watched or these guys who are at the North Pole are up 250 miles north of the Arctic Circle doing ice cores, and they've drilled into the ice cores, and they've uncovered this worm that's been there for, you know, living in this Arctic freeze cold for, you know, half a million years or whatever, and it gets into them. And and so here are these people in this Arctic uh, research station, and they make radio contact, and, and, and the only thing the guy can say is, we are not who we are. He keeps saying this. It's like, man, the world needs to hear this one. We are not who we are. We are not who we are. As this guy's functioning from the mental effect of these, this worm that's invaded his body. It's kind of like that. 
the hostility and fear-based mind invades us, and we are not who we are. We are not functioning as human beings as that awesome presence of love with aliveness, joy, delight, and not just happiness, but ecstasy. When you're plugged into the power supply, you're designed to be plugged into. Every cell functions from ecstasy. And I don't mean the drug. <laughs> I mean the real thing. Why aren't most people happy? They carry around a carbon-based memory system of a thousand generations of rage and guilt and grief and pain. What do you need to do if you want to be happy? You need to remove that, get back to your natural state. That's all. That's the work. Why is that the way it is? You know, we could make up a thousand reasons. The truth is, that's just what is. So, and, you know, people say, well, that sounds like so much work. Like, well, but that sounds so hard, Michael. Here's my input. If you're living out of hostility or fear, the results that you produce in your life make your life really hard. That's a hard way to live. But if you come from a genetic history of hostility and fear, it's effortless to live that way. It'll happen on automatic pilot. Your mouth will spit out those words. Those feelings will run. They'll just take over in a second. And you will not be who you are. It isn't a hard way to live to do your work, but it takes effort. The other way is effortless. If you've got a genetic history of hostility and fear, man, you can be a rage and a heartbeat. You can be telling people, you know, you can take the people that you say you cherish and you can say the most derogatory, disgusting things that have ever been said to anybody on the planet. And you can pretend to be one of those people that wouldn't say ass if you had a mouthful of it. But when the stress is up and the chips are down, you will say the most blasphemous, insane things to the people that you say you love that you can't imagine. And the words that you're saying are about you. They're not about them. And when you clean that part of your mind up, guess what? You get to be happy. That's all. It's a natural result of doing that. So, Rex, that's a great question. It gives me room to cover a lot of territory, and we're down to the last minute or so. Time flies when you get on a roll, and uh, we appreciate everybody's participation. Again, month of February through March 4th, one intensive, two intensive, 16 days, nine days, 32 days, 32 days, come and play. Take a look on the website, look at the schedule. The schedule is also up for next summer at Heartland. We do have an offer of uh, of 10 free DVDs, and if you say that you're listening to the show, we'll make it all 15 DVDs for intensives for next summer at Heartland, our renewed facility. Things are rocking here. In the meantime, thanks for joining us. If the show's been meaningful, listen to it again in the archives. Download the MP3, attach it to an email, and send it to somebody. Put it on a, a thumbnail drive and give it to somebody to listen to. And create the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to live the world. Blessings. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice and his wife, Jeannie, who present the internal Aramaic process of forgiveness. Michael and Jeannie are here every Monday through Friday on Earth Angels Radio. For more on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www. 
whyagain.com. That's www.